Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to another CMYK Talk podcast. My name is Matt. Uh, This episode is a little different. Uh, We recorded uh, our last gathering that we had, which was March 15th, the last time we were all together before the quarantine is taking place in our community, around the country, and around the world. And we had some audio issues, so we weren't able to use the recording from that podcast. So Seth, who was the communicator that week, uh, came into the studio and recorded a podcast, just him and the microphone. And so uh, because of timing of different things and everybody's life's kind of being disrupted. We weren't able to get this out the week that it was released. So we're releasing it now for you to enjoy because as always, Mr. Hirschhorn has some really interesting thoughts, really interesting questions and things that we think are worthy of our time and attention to hopefully find you moving forward in a more beautiful way forward to It's what we're all about. It's what we're doing. Uh, Just want to quickly update you as we're not gathering. Please, please, please do your best to make sure that you have signed up for our email newsletter at cmykchurch.com. There's going to be the best information there for when we're going to start gathering again. But also, as we've been communicating, there's some really great kids information uh, that's available. And man, this stuff is so good. So if you have a, a kid, a multiple kids, if you know somebody with kids, whatever whatever the category you would fit in on that level, please do your best uh, to just go to our website, check that stuff out, check out our social media, or make sure you're signed up for the email newsletter because there's some really, really great stuff that Dr. Jenny, our kids director, and Chris Glenn, who works in that department, have put together. That's been so helpful for me as we got kids around our house all the time now because there's no school. And so uh, many of us as parents are not necessarily in a disaster mode, but we just want to figure out what's the best thing to be doing in the midst of a life that I'm not normally used to. I'm not going to work like I typically go to work and my kids are home all the time, uh, unlike normal. So just stuff like that is really helpful for how we're interacting with our kids. So do your best to check that out. And I would encourage you as we're sharing this information, our hope and desire is to um, just spread the love as much as we can. And so if you know somebody, make sure to like and share or send the email forward it to people that you might Uh, No, because uh, we hope this information will be really helpful or or this podcast and what we're doing might be really helpful for some people that are finding their life in a unique situation right now. So I love you. Hope you're doing well. If there's anything we can do for you, please reach out on social media. Please reach out through our website. We want to do everything we can to stay connected in this season and make sure that we're serving one another to the best capacity that we can. So love you. Hope to see you all in a couple weeks. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Seth Hirschkorn. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the CMYK Talks podcast. My name is Seth. Lovely to be with you today. Uh, Today, we're continuing in this series called Our Favorite Stories. And, you know, my last two stories have been so um, good and exciting and not depressing or sad at all. Um, And so, you know, just like the last two, I think we're just going to go with this theme of excitement and fun and not depression and sadness from the Bible. Just kidding. I actually do really like this story that I'm going to tell you today. But before I get into the story, I'm going to do what I normally do. I'm going to tell a couple other stories. um, And then I'm going to end by asking you some questions. That's all I have for you today. A couple stories to tell, a couple thoughts, and then some questions for all of us to hopefully work through together. Um, So uh, the last couple weeks... Um, in my classroom, we've been studying, uh, Greek mythology. Um, 
And I find that with all the stuff going on around me in the world, all the noise, all the frustrating uh, political, he said, she said, finger pointing, blaming, accusing, you know, global pandemics. There's just so much stuff that invades our news feed that's very distracting. And so one of my coping mechanisms, if you will, um, besides beer, is to <clears throat> dive deep into the stuff I'm talking about in my classroom just to kind of get a better feel for it and um, also just maybe escape from all the other stuff going on. And so we're studying ancient Greece and Greek mythology specifically. And so one of the things that I do is when we're studying that stuff, I just look for things to catch my eye that are, um, I guess, Greek in nature right now, specifically Greek mythology. So the other day I am uh, scrolling through Reddit and I find this subreddit called writing prompts. And usually what they do is they'll pose like some kind of question or thought or idea. And then writers get to hop in and create a story from scratch based on that writing prompt. And it was so good. So this writing prompt I saw the other day was just fantastic. It was, you are the uh, offspring of the Greek god Dionysus. Now Dionysus is the, um, essentially the god of wine, partying, ecstasy, pleasure, things like that. So you are the Greek are you the son or daughter of the Greek god Dionysus? Um, and you end up in the job of being a bartender. That's what essentially the writing prompt said. So take that story and run away with it. And this author in the comments just unfolds this beautiful story. Now, I'm going to do it no justice. I suggest maybe you go look for it on Reddit if you want. But the story goes that it talks about this son who's a bartender. And he talks about his estranged father, Dionysus, the Greek god who hasn't been around for the last 10 years and wasn't around when he was a kid, so they haven't talked in the last 10 years. And so it's late one night at the bar that he's working at, and there's a woman there who's been the regular for a while because her child passed away of cancer. Now, again, remember, this is just a story. Her child passed away of cancer, and so to numb her pain and to free her mind or to feel her feels, she ends up at the bar every night drinking her normal drink. The bartender, the character in the story, he you know, takes care of her the best he can, whether it's a, a listening ear or to refill her beverage or to maybe encourage her to go home when she's had too much or call her a ride, just all the normal bartender things. So it's late one night, and he's in the back, closing up and rearranging the storeroom and he hears the front door bell ring and he hears someone walking in and he hears the voice of the woman at the bar say, Oh, it's you long time. No see, where have you been? And the voice that comes out of this man's mouth, the bartender realizes is his father Dionysus who he hasn't seen in 10 years. So he sits in the back room in a little bit of panic and terror, listening to the woman talk to Dionysus whom in her lens, is just another person. Anyway, he begins talking to her and convinces her that as much as she's drinking, it's not going to bring her son back. And so this conversation unfolds to the point where Dionysus, the god of wine and drunkenness and ecstasy and pleasure, convinces this woman to go home. And she walks out. And then the boy, the young man, walks out from the back of the bar to see his father Dionysus. And his father simply says, hello, son. And the young man says, well, what are you doing here? Why are you here? The father says, well, I've been here before. You just haven't noticed me. That, you know, on the busy nights that I'm here. And the young man's taken aback. Why wouldn't I notice my father in the crowd? But Dionysus continues to explain that, don't you understand that, 
Whenever there's a prayer said over a pint or a glass or a spirit, something, some kind of alcoholic beverage, whether it's a prayer of joy or a prayer of sadness, I'm there. I show up to celebrate or mourn with the people who need me because that's my job as the God of wine and drunkenness. And then he says something very profound to the young man, to his son. He says, son, you have this power too. You, you have this unique power and ability to simply listen and be there. And this story was so profound for me. I was, I was reading it one morning in, in, in the basement of Matt Blakesley's house. And, and I, I, I live there. Sorry. That might've been like, what? So I'm reading it in Matt's basement and I instantly go upstairs to find Matt and like tell him about this story. And, and this story struck me so interestingly because there's this piece of the story that the, this Greek God figure looks at his demigod son and says, you have the power too. And it's simply the power to listen. And I, I started to sit back and examining the different, um, cultures and the different ancient civilizations that we study in my sixth grade classroom. And there's this really unique thing that happens across a lot of religions. And this unique thing seems to be that the gods involved in these religions all listen to humans. That across all of it, it's a bunch of gods listening to humans. This struck me as interesting kind of taken aback, realizing that there's this unique power that the gods share across a lot of world religions. And whether it's a polytheistic belief system or a monotheistic belief system, the reality is, is that the gods have the power to listen to the humans. Now, whether they interact or not is one thing, you know, so in in particular in Greek religion and mythology, uh, there's the story called um, the Odyssey. And what that is, is, you know, the story of uh, Odysseus or some in in other Latin translations, you'd call him Ulysses. And he's trying to travel home from the Battle of Troy or War of Troy. And it's a 10-year journey. And the gods are constantly intervening and can hear him. One, one two gods in particular, Zeus and Athena, hear the prayers of Zeus, or sorry, the prayers of um, uh, Odysseus or Ulysses. and, And they choose to interact at times. Not always, but they still choose it sometimes. And I find this just so fascinating. And so there's this story I want to tell you from the Bible that I I wonder if is going to just ask a lot of questions of this idea. So the first question I want to ask you is, what if we've been given the power of the gods? And I say gods plurally because I want to acknowledge that there are a lot of belief systems at play, but the one thing that a lot of these gods, plural, have in common is that they hear humans. And so the first question I want to ask is, what if we've been given the power of the gods? So the story I'm going to tell you now from the Bible, because it is our favorite stories and the stories come from the Bible in this series. And there's this story tucked away in Matthew chapter 15 that I've always found beautiful and fascinating. And so I'm going to read you the story, give you some background, and then I simply want us to ask a few more questions of who we are. So here's the story. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out to us. He answered, 
I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered her, It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Okay, a little bit of background on this story. It's a Canaanite woman. Other translations say a Seraphonician woman. So this is a woman that comes from a multicultural background that is not Jewish in nature. These are a group of people that earlier in the Bible, God commanded to be slaughtered and killed because they were in the promised land. And from there, they became multicultural with different groups of people like the Phoenicians, um, uh, the Canaanite people, a couple other different backgrounds. And so they are a polytheistic pagan people. And so, and so she approaches this Jewish rabbi with a request, a request to heal her daughter, because it seems like nothing else has been working, right? So she's, her daughter's oppressed by a demon, and nothing else has been working, so she comes to what she might find as the last resort, a Jewish rabbi who she heard some good things about. Now, the response of Jesus is interesting, but not surprising, because, because this is a Canaanite woman, a Seraphonician woman, someone who is outside of maybe in his mind, the fold of the call of the, like the, the fold or the people who are called to heal the world. Because the way the Old Testament narrative goes is that there's a group of people who are called to be a blessing on the earth. And that's the Israelite people. Jesus is one of these people. And so maybe in his mind, he feels that the, the purpose of his walk on earth is to reach these people first and then let them fulfill the work of the Old Testament. Very interesting stuff at play. There's also some context here that before this, him and the disciples, Jesus and the disciples were doing a lot of traveling. It's possible they were tired. And it's possible we're seeing this very, very human side of this character named Jesus who is supposed to be fully God, fully man. And I think that's part of why I like this story too, is you see this humanness in him to be like, yeah, lady, bug off. I really, I know it sounds weird, but I really value that that there's this humanness to this deity figure. So she presses and she persists, right? Uh, Lord, heal my daughter. No, that's not my job. Sorry. And and then she keeps bugging him. And and then he, he almost insults her, I guess you could say. Like, we don't take from children and give to dogs. And she quips back with this, uh, yeah, but even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. And, and then this moment happens where Jesus actually hears her and heals her daughter. I just find this whole interaction so beautiful because I feel like it has so little to do with the healing nature of Jesus over a demon possessed girl. And I feel like it highlights so much that there's a humanness part of this story that is meaningful to us. That for some reason, there was a moment where something inside Jesus's brain flipped and he decided to listen. That what if, what if in that moment that Jesus wasn't, he put the God stuff on hold and simply became human and realized the power that he'd been given the power of the gods to not snap his fingers and instantly heal everything, but instead the power to listen, to hear the people. I find this interesting because I spend my day working with sixth graders and these are the most unique and weird creatures on the face of the earth because just before this, just before sixth grade, they're still kind of growing up and maturing and right, and, and, and right after sixth grade, like seventh, eighth grade, they're kind of becoming jerks. And so sixth graders are these weird little like 
creatures that don't have an identity, but they're super goofy and they're okay with being goofy. And I just, I spend my day hanging out with these people. And as you can probably guess, um, most days it's fun, but also it's very annoying at times because their minds go a thousand different places and the things they talk about, I have no interest to engage them in because I'm not on TikTok and I don't really do social media and I don't have a favorite YouTuber and there's all these things about them that I just could care less. And I tell them that. I tell them regularly, that's kind of stupid and I don't care. Now, I say it jokingly so they know I still kind of love them, but it's this weird and delicate dance that I do with them. Well, anyway, this one day, I'm walking down the hallway, and in in order to honor FERPA so I don't lose my job, I will not name the student directly, but for the sake of this story, I shall call young man Billy walking down the hallway to the main office and little Billy runs up on my side. Now, little Billy and I actually do get along really well. He's pretty cool, but I wasn't really in the mood to talk to a sixth grader because I was headed to my lunch hour to get some work done. Little Billy sneaks up beside me and he says, Mr. Hirschkorn, can I tell you something? And I was like, great, here we go. More about your favorite YouTuber or something you'd on Minecraft, something that I have to act like I'm interested in for a minute. And I said, yes, Billy, you can tell me whatever you need to. And um, he looks at me and says, so I've got a big choice to make coming up. And I said, oh, really? And in the back of my mind, I was like, what's the big choice? What video game you're going to play? What what girl you're going to try and go out with this week? Um, and he stuns me and he says, I have a choice if I want to or not to meet my biological father this weekend. And I kind of was stunned. Number one, that a I guess, number one, the fact that I've always known my biological father and couldn't fathom a world not knowing him. But number two, that he's bringing this, this, this part of his life to me. So my brain starts turning over and, and I'm like, okay, what do you think about that? And young Billy um, says, I don't know. What do you think? And, and, and I put it back on him and I said, well, Billy, here's the deal. I think that um, whatever decision you make, I'm going to support you, but I want you to make the decision that's going to make you the best possible human being. So does that make sense? He's like, yeah, kind of. I said, at the end of your decision, I want you to know that you're better because of it, whether that's meeting your dad or not. And he said, okay. And he ran off to lunch and I was kind of stunned because, um, everything in me in that moment wanted to brush off this young man and not care about his life. But for some reason, he was offering me a piece of it. And I think about this story with the Seraphonician woman or the Canaanite woman with Jesus. And, and there's this interesting thing where I wonder if there's this humanness of Jesus where he just wants to put it off and not deal with it because they are someone whose life is so different than his and they really don't care. But there's a decision there, I find. And that decision is that we have this unique opportunity to listen or not that seems to be the power of the gods. Um, Over the weekend, I can't stop thinking about Billy and obviously the decision he has to make. And so um, I'm eagerly awaiting his decision on Monday. Monday, he comes to me or I see him and I seek him out. And I think he was caught off guard by this, maybe thinking that I forgot about our conversation, but I sought him out and I said, Billy, like what happened? Did you end up 
eating and seeing your dad. And he got a big smile on his face and he's like, yeah, I did. And it was so great to meet him for the first time and know where I come from and part of who I am. And we talked and it was really, really great. And I get to see him again soon. And he said, Mr. Hirschhorn, thank you for asking. And, and what I realized in that moment was that because I heard him the week before and then I sought him out, there was this validation in him, if you will. That in that moment, uh, this young man knew that I heard him and that I cared. I have this, I have this running theory. And um, it, that's, I, I'm only calling it theory because I, I can't prove it. It's just something I'm noticing in life. But I'm wondering if every single human being has a a deep part of their core being, their consciousness, their soul, their mind, whatever you want to call it, that they want to be seen, known, embraced, and loved. And I believe that in that moment of me with Billy, that I followed up, because I listened and followed up, he knew that he was seen, known, embraced, and loved. And I wonder also, with Jesus and the Canaanite woman, that what she was asking for was to be seen, known, embraced, and loved. And that Jesus, as the character in the story, steps into his power of the gods, listens, and responds. And so this is where I arrive at my questions for you today. Number one, what if we have the power of the gods? And what if that power is simply to listen? It might not always be to act or to do or to fix, but there's a good chance that the power we possess that the gods have given us is simply the power to listen, to hear. And I wonder if that power then does something for the other person as well. That it gives them this unique ability to be seen, known, embraced, and loved. This struck me so hard because, like I said at the beginning of this talk, that I've been deeply troubled by the world around me. Whether it's politics or pandemics or um, uh, chaos and fear and frustration and worry, I just want to close it out. I want to sit in my basement and not engage anyone. I'd rather just flip on video games and kill fake bad guys online than have to think about this stuff. And yet I come across these stories. A fake story about Dionysus, uh, the Odyssey, the, the Christian scriptures, any number of religious beliefs that have gods that listen to humans. And I have to then push back on my own desire to run away and isolate. That what if I should be doing in this time is to simply be listening. What if what I should be doing in this time is seeing, knowing, embracing, and loving someone just like I did Billy before all this craziness was unfolding? I, I find it so important right now for me to reflect on this idea, and so I want to put these questions on you. Question one, what if we have the power of the gods? And that power is to simply hear the humans around us. Second one is, who then do you need to listen to? That much like the Canaanite woman, is there, are there people in your line of sight or around you that are just craving to be heard? Who needs to be listened to? And then because of listening, my last question is, who do you think needs to be seen, 
known, embraced, and loved. And this is striking me so hard right now because there's this little tiny story tucked away in Matthew 15 that talks about, in my opinion, the very human nature of the um, God named Jesus stepping into his greatest power, and that's the power to simply listen. So what I leave you with, what if you, listener, CMYK community member, person stumbling across us, person I know, person I don't know, whether we are friends or acquaintances or just haven't met yet, like what if you have the power of the gods? What if the reason this has stayed in religious narratives for so long is because we've been given this power to listen? Who do you need to listen to? Who needs to be listened to? Who needs to be heard? Because of that, who needs to be seen, known, embraced, and loved? This is what I'm wrestling with. This is what I'm kicking around. And my hope is that this provides you with some really good fodder for some thought for you. What if you have the power of the gods? Who needs to be listened to? Who needs to be seen, known, embraced, and loved? As always, I'm grateful that you guys let me unfold my ideas on this platform. Sometimes they're probably just ridiculous and silly, but I'm grateful that you're willing to listen and maybe give them some thought. I wonder if we have the power of the gods given to us as mortals and then what we get to do with them, who we get to listen to, who we get to see, know, embrace, and love. I love you all. And until next time, bye-bye.